0: Welcome to the podcast. Here we seek first to understand a wide range of topics in culture, politics, and society, and then to draw conclusions. It doesn't matter what you think, just that you think deeply and be open to all perspectives. I'm not here to convince you to take a position on anything. I just want your position, opinions, and engagements to be formed on sound critical thinking and analysis. Because if you don't learn to think for yourself, others will think for you. And almost certainly, they won't have your best interests at heart. Intellectual freedom is the right to hold, receive and disseminate ideas without restriction, is an integral component of a democratic society. This is under attack in our modern culture. Intellectual freedom ironically seems even harder to achieve in the age of technology. Our superficial, lightning-paced lifestyle doesn't lend itself well to thinking critically. This hurts our intellectual freedom. If we're brutally honest, we don't have a self-governing or well-informed citizenry. Intellectual freedom suffers when the citizens don't think independently and critically. We're in trouble right now from the intellectual fog of name-calling, blaming, shaming, bullying, moralistic demagoguery. However, just as things sometimes decay and die, there is also the potential for rebirth and growth. We can get past the oppressive weight of the decline. This podcast will hopefully provide a new and different way to look at things on modern topics without the hyperbole, the yelling, the screaming, the name calling. We do take on tough and emotional topics, but we do this in a way that's empathetic, open-minded, and non-binary. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, professor of humanities, your guide. My goal is to apply critical thinking, logic, reasoning, and analysis of philosophy and history to add context and understanding to our crazy modern world in which we live. But enough with the formalities. Let's get started. Pre-COVID-19 this year, 86% of Americans said they are quote-unquote happy. Now that's a really high number. It's down a little bit from last year, but imagine where we were back in January, February of 2020. I mean, the world was totally different. The economy was on fire. Unemployment was at an all time low. Stock market was all time high. I mean, we were just kind of flying along. But, you know, what does it even really mean to be happy? We hear it all the time. I. I just want to be happy. If only I had this job I would be happy. If only I made more money I could be happy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. In this particular poll from Gallup, they look at things such as your job, your family, the location that you live, your access to healthcare, the stress you have in your life. I mean, it's a whole range of stuff. But can, with any degree of certainty, is it possible to even gauge happiness? Is that premise even possible? Is it lots of money? Is it a fulfilling career? A re, uh, fulfilled religiously, or or with your family? Surveys such as this seem incredibly superficial in the scope of things. So let's try to go deeper in this podcast. Let's go beyond the superficial to even determine if it is possible to find happiness. Then even beyond that, once we would reach this elusive state of happiness, is it even possible to keep it? And if we can't keep this state of happiness and are thus chasing it our entire lives, in pursuing happiness, is that even the right way to go? Chasing happiness is literally ingrained in the American psyche. In fact, it's probably to certain degrees ingrained in almost every culture. Heck, even our Declaration of Independence states, we all have unalienable rights, which include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness there is really much depth to the, that idea, I just want to be happy. In my humanities courses, this lecture usually garners much more attention than most because it really is an age-old question to explore. Possibly one of the most significant questions in our, that our minds ever have to answer so what I want to do is I want to go back to the Greeks and I want to look at Aristotle and especially I want to look at his work called Nicomachean Ethics. You can find this online for free. There's no copyrights on this obviously anymore. You can there's all kinds of free PDF files you can download on this. And again, that's Aristotle and Nicomachean Ethics. And he has a section that deals specifically just with happiness. And he actually found three types of people and three ways to view happiness. And so we're going to take this from the least satisfying or the most superficial means of achieving happiness to the most profound and deep type of happiness. And so as you can probably imagine, the bulk of the population falls into the first category, which Aristotle calls the pleasure seekers. These people are seeking sensual gratification, frivolous amusement, or, or a source of delight or joy as what happiness is all about. Now, it isn't that pleasure in and of itself is bad. There's no harm and there's no shame in good drink, good food, a fun night out of doing nothing now and again. The problem arises when a lifestyle in search of ease and simple empty pleasure becomes the driver of what is perceived as happiness. Easy and simple rarely, if ever, leads us to a deep satisfaction or happiness. You know, innocent pleasures in moderation, can provide relaxation for the body and the mind, and it can, it can foster a positive family and other relationship, but pleasure, per se, offers no deep lasting satisfaction or a sense of deep fulfillment. The pleasure-centered person, according to Aristotle, often is bored, with each, success, with each level of succeeding fun, you constantly crave and need more and more. So the next new pleasure has to be bigger and better and more exciting with a bigger personal high. You know, somebody in this state becomes almost entirely narcissistic and they're, they become defined by interpreting all of life in, in terms of of how much pleasure it provides to the self here and now. Too many vacations that last too long, too many movies, too much TV, too much video games, too much drink, too much alcohol, too much drugs, too much undisciplined leisure time in which a person continually takes the course of least resistance gradually wastes a life away. And as Aristotle says, that isn't happiness when it's all said and done. That initial surge of pleasure is not happiness. It ensures that a person's capacity stay dormant, that the talents that that they have remain undeveloped, and that the mind and the spirit become lethargic, and that the heart is unfulfilled. Where is the security, the guidance, the wisdom, and the power? as at this low end of the continuum is this idea of pleasure. And it's such a fleeting moment. And many of us, many times in our lives have had that feeling of waste, of unfulfilled things that we just never pushed beyond that comfort zone that we get stuck in so easily. You know, sadly, the American dream as it's been defined. It's tried to sell us this lie that, the, that these low-level materialistic things in life are the goal. And that is really ridiculous. So Malcolm Muggeridge writes in, in a book, a, a 20th Century Testimony. And he says this, when I look back on my life nowadays, which I sometimes do, what strikes me most forcibly about it is what is that what seemed at the time most significant and seductive seems now most futile and absurd. So here you can see this lowest level of Aristotle, and most people never transcend this. Most people most of the time will go through some level of struggle. But once they start to feel that comfort, that pleasure, which they interpret for happiness, but in the end is very empty and it's very shallow, they're left anything but happy. They're left with a sense of loss, a sense of I didn't accomplish everything that I could have accomplished. And so that's why the pleasure seeker is considered the lowest level. Now we go up one level in Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, and here's a life a little bit better. It's called the political life. Now, I don't want this to be confused with becoming a politician uh, because in our modern times, many would say, I would rather uh, dig ditches than become a politician because of the corrupt, dirty nature of most of the politicians most of the time. That's not what Aristotle is simply referring to. In a sense, in the 4th century BC, the political life would have referred to a very theoretical, purest form politician, but not necessarily in its current form. So let's talk about this. So the life of a politician in its purest form, not ne- not necessarily our current form, is a life dedicated not to self, but to members of society the politician serves. The politician is good and obedient to the laws. Uh, the activities in the purest theoretical form of making life better for others it's a form of virtuous activity this has almost a godlike quality to aristotle which which he finds deeply pleasurable and a potential avenue to true happiness see in our modern context this service to others this service to society uh, this service to being good and obedient to the laws, this this idea of of making life better for other people is, is a way that you actually find happiness in yourself. You could equate that to thousands of careers. You could equate that to a customer service rep. You could equate it to a fireman. You could equate it to a soldier. You could equate it to a nurse. You could equate it to a, a teacher. But you get the idea that what Aristotle's really driving in this context of the political life is a service to others and not just serving those base pleasures to the self, which is the the pleasure seekers that we talked about just a few minutes ago. However, this is not the highest form of a means to seek happiness because there are some real dangers of this life of service. And Aristotle goes on to explain that this political life is highly susceptible to decay. Happiness in this arena can become tied to personal honor and prestige. And gaining this honor depends on what others may bestow upon you. I'm going to read that again because here's the break and here's the real danger. Gaining this honor depends on what others may bestow upon you. So let's take an example of a politician. And he goes into the field of becoming a politician because he truly has an honest intention of wanting to serve other people. But then they get up in this corrupt world called Washington, D.C., this place that seemingly most of the time is disconnected from anything that goes on in the rest of the country. And all of a sudden over time, this young politician who went into it with this concept of a life of service finds out that there's really only one way to exist in that world, there's donors, there's lobbyists, there's agendas from the political party that you're affiliated to. There's this almost constant seeking by media to put you on TV, to put you on radio, to ask to ask your opinion on everything, and all of a sudden you get this hyper inflated sense of self, and then all of a sudden you're your self-worth is not defined in on how well you you serve the people of, uh, that voted you into office, but rather you, it corrupts into this this system of, of gaining honor. And almost the political life, it can become like any other external pleasure, whether it's sex or a drug or lots of money. Praise and adoration can become incredibly, Intoxicating, and this is the real danger of this political life outside of politics. It can become the same thing for someone in the military, someone who's a teacher, someone who's a CEO of a company, where the grand ideals one did when they got involved in something become less and less, and what becomes more and more. Is your happiness becomes based on all the honor and all the things and the power and the prestige that goes along with it? That's why this political life cannot be the highest order because ultimately gaining that honor, that prestige, that power is what others bestowed upon you versus internally serviced others. Do you see the main distinction there of the corruption of this? So actually just read a quote here from Aristotle in Nicomachean Ethics. It's book one and chapter five, if you ever want to look it up. And here's what it says, quote, A consideration of the prominent types of life shows that people of superior refinement and of active disposition identify happiness with honor, for this is, roughly speaking, the end of the political life but it seems too superficial to be what we are looking for, since it is thought to depend on those who bestow honor rather than on him who receives it. So almost scarily, the higher you rise in refinement or social class or skill set, the more susceptible a individual becomes to falling trap, to identifying their happiness which with honor, which is basically bestowed upon that person by somebody else. You've taken away your internal freedom when you do this. So if pleasure seeking and the political life fail, so what in the world are we left with in the highest form of happiness, because we need, we don't want to end right there. And Aristotle doesn't end there. He even goes to the point where he says, If activities are, as we said, what give life its character, no happy man can become miserable, for he will never do acts that are hateful and mean. For the man who is truly good and wise, we think, bears all the chance chances life becomingly and always makes the best of circumstances, as a good general makes the best military use of the army at his command, and a good shoemaker makes the best shoes out of the hides that are given him. And so with all other craftsmen, and if this is the case, the happy man can never be miserable. See, To reach the highest form of happiness, it cannot be based on simple life pleasures. And it cannot be based on just rote service to others once it degrades into this idea of gaining honor and prestige and reputation and power. But the important thing is not what you do. The important thing is you do it with passion and you never quit because if you do, if what you do is done with passion and love and energy, then even when bad things happen in life, which you know they will, they always do happen, then you rely on nobody for happiness. You do what you do because you have a love, a passion, and an energy for it. And that idea of honor goes away. So the truest form of happiness can only come internally from you. Because once in a a sense you become bulletproof from all the stuff that happens in life and society, and you're not reliant on anyone or anything for that happiness, then you reach the highest form of happiness. This is so important because at this level, you're now free. You are literally free from anything that can happen to you externally. You don't have to have the alcohol. You don't have to have the partying. You don't have to have the prestige of a career. You're not working so that you can buy the best clothes See, all those things are external. When what drives you are those things internally, that's when you achieve success. And really, if you think about it, what Aristotle says is 100% true. When you look at the most successful people, every one of them, at some point along the way, they had all kinds of external forces trying to bring them down, telling them they could never do it, going through failure after failure after failure and people in society looking at them a certain way saying this guy this person's never going to make it this is this is silly this is ridiculous but yet they kept doing it anyway they were driven internally towards something and because they had that passion they had that drive they had that energy to push beyond where they were whether it was physical pain, mental pain, intellectual pain, all of them combined at some level for some people, that is the key. Because as we know, as with everything, happiness always happens with the context of death. Our capacity to live is limited by our brain, which tends to think very linear. We think linear from birth to growth to maturity to decline, to decay, to death. Death is the inevitable. And all of your struggles, all of my struggles for happiness, between that dash of your birthday and the day you die, that's really what counts. And as I was considering this podcast, and and I bring this up in my lecture too, I want to read just a short poem. It's a very famous one, and many of you have heard it. It's uh, by Dylan Thomas, and it's really, it's titled, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. And I think it encapsulates the true struggles that we go through and why in the end we can validate Aristotle's thesis that happiness is something internal. So here's the poem. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at the close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end no dark is right, because their words had forked no lightning. They do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late. They grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see with blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father there on the sad height. Curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. See, the true peace, that true, that true happiness, it can only come from within. That fight comes from within even in a poem as someone's fighting that external battle on the last days of their life as their body is is dying internally to the bitter end, we have the ability to fight back. And so happiness, it comes from striving, fighting, clawing, working, Sure, every once in a while we can win in life, but 95% of the time is getting there, and 5% is the victory. Because when we reach the win, we can enjoy it, we can pause for it, but then we're forced into one of two paths. We can either one just stop and say, that's good enough, I'm done, or We have to take on the next challenge, and the next challenge, and the next challenge. And for Aristotle, that's where the true happiness is. Every second, every day, all the time, pushing, pushing. There's great joy and happiness in pushing ourselves in whatever it is, despite the challenges that surround us. You must have that no victim mentality just as aristotle says that true freedom the true happiness is never to allow the external world to control you never to just kind of i don't know the word i'm looking for to 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 just minimize yourself to the point that other people control you and it's other people's fault when things happen to you but when you don't rely on any of it any excuses from the outside world this is where true happiness is found and if we grasp it we live free it isn't supposed to be easy or simple or pain-free in essence the best and truest goal of happiness isn't lounging around drinking a margarita on the beach although that's nice and it's wonderful and living here in florida i like to do it all the time true happiness is challenging and pushing ourselves to new levels, new, new levels of skills, of service, of, of creation, of, of whatever your passion might be. Because just as Dylan Thomas says, we need to fight till the last. The beauty and glory and satisfaction beyond just materialistic happiness is a deep and profound fight that rage against the night that he speaks about. We can't win the battle. We're, we're going to die, but oh, there is, there's happiness. There's satisfaction in fighting the fight. So don't sell yourself short and simple and easy. Don't just accept the tangible pleasures of life. You need to push. You need to rage and fight for the best for you, your family, your community and and this is where happiness is found. It's found in the fight. It's found in that internal drive that doesn't care at all what the external world is pushing on you. You're going to keep going and you're going to have that ability to overcome and even if you don't overcome, you have the you have the vivacity to never quit and keep going. The struggle in the end is the happiness. The struggle each of us fight internally is the happiness. That's why when I see a poll of trying to put a number value to happiness from Gallup or any other that says, oh, the United States has a happiness rating of 685 and all the measures are your cars, your money, your jobs, your health care, the status of the infrastructure of the city. That's simple, superficial stuff. Of course, we all love that. We enjoy that stuff. And it's there's nothing wrong in appreciating the comforts we live in, in the modern era versus, say, the Middle Ages or the fourth century B.C., During the age of Aristotle, but those aren't real happiness, and that's why we see people. Who search and search and struggle. They're trying to be happiness. If only I had this, I'd be happy. If only I had this, I'd be happy. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to make this money. I'm going to be happy. Once I get my degrees, then I'm really going to be happy. Once I get out of high school, I'm going to be happy. Once I get out of college, I'm going to be happy. Once I have this first career, once I buy this new car, it's going to make me so happy. Once I buy this dress. I mean, I could drone on for hours and hours. You get the idea. See, those searchings for happiness on external things, they never, they might give you that instant gratification for a second, but it's going to disappear and it's going to go away and you're not You're not going to reach happiness if your idea of finding happiness is based on something so simple and materialistic as those things because those don't provide the substance. You got to get inside of you to find the true way to happiness. Like Aristotle said, you have to get to a point where there is nothing from the external world that's going to bring you down when you when the things of politics when the things of all the things going around in your life fall off of you and they can't even chink your armor then you're happy and that happiness doesn't mean you never feel pain in fact happiness is struggle it's pain it's hard but when you have that internal level of strength and peace, that's a level of happiness that very, very few people reach. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you found value. The discussion on this topic and many others will continue in our private forums. I personally will be joining you over there if you're not a member yet and looking for a community online that is very different go to www.daviddhopkins.com that's www.daviddhopkins.com follow the links and you can join us the best way to expand intellectually is to engage in real dialogue in a way that fosters growth understanding and rigorous discussion without the name-calling, the demagoguery, and flame throwing silliness of social media and the rest of the online open forums. This is what the private forum will provide for you, a safe environment to have an open, honest dialogue. I would love to see you join. Until the next podcast, all my very best to you and your family.